0: Hello, this is Christopher Eck. I am the lead pastor at Bethany Covenant Church in Bedford, New Hampshire. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this message inspires, helps, and encourages you as you seek to live your life with Jesus. For more information about our church or to support the ministry, visit bethanycovenant.com. Enjoy the message. Well, one of the dynamics in our culture today that we should not underestimate is people's search for spirituality and this need to be able to feed the soul that is a part of them. We cannot underestimate that as a church, that there's a deep hunger in the world for purpose and for meaning and for transcendence. And if you're kind of in that place or been in that place in life, here at Bethany, when it comes to beginning to search spiritually and beginning that process of what fills our soul, really the focal point for us and the starting place for us has always been the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, through thousands of years and through impact on millions of lives, have shown that when people wanted to grow their soul, when people wanted to encounter something transcendent, the focal point began with Jesus. And so here we have, and that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. It's about discovering all these different ways that we can take one step closer to knowing who Jesus is. To discovering who Jesus can be in our lives. And so each of these four weeks, we're going to have a different way to begin to know Jesus. And so we've talked talked about this series called The Way, and you say, well, why are we calling it The Way? Well, in the book of Acts, this was one of the early ways that the people uh, who followed Jesus were described. Paul, in Acts chapter 9, he said the people who followed Jesus were those who belonged to the way, And later in the book of Acts, Paul gives this testimony. He says that he called the followers of Jesus followers of the way. That's what the early followers of Jesus were called. They were called followers of the way. And so Jesus then becomes kind of no matter where we were. And so here at Bethany, that's what we're doing is we're looking at Jesus as following the way, as following the ways of Jesus. And we believe here that no matter what your past or what your history or what your mess-ups have been, or even what your current beliefs may be, there's always one step close, closer that you can make to, become, to know Jesus Christ. Even today, if you are like a hardened atheist, I'm not asking you to believe today. Just say, okay, maybe Jesus isn't so bad. Maybe there's something about this Jesus if you've never believed in Jesus, there's still so much to learn from the person of Jesus Christ. One day, Jesus is walking with his disciples. They're headed to the villages around the area of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, and they've had had kind of a lot of time to talk on these taught walks from town to town. And on this walk, it's recorded in Mark 8, 27. And Jesus strikes up this conversation with the disciples as they're walking. He says to ask them a question. And he asks them the question, who do you say that I am? Kind of an odd question to ask somebody. If you were to turn to the person next to you and ask, who do you say that I am? Or who do others say that I am? Like, you may, then they're gonna base their answers maybe on your reputation. Or if you ask your child, they're gonna maybe say, like, I don't know, dad? I don't know, mom? Like, it's kind of an odd question to ask. Who do you say that I am? So Jesus asked them this question, and the disciples give a lot of answers because they're not quite sure how to describe Jesus. They replied, some say John the Baptist others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. That's like quite a list. Just the fact that they went to the prophet Elijah in that list of people, said most people thought that Jesus was pretty great in that day. It would be like in our day if you were asked, well, if you asked people, who do you say that I am? And people said to you, oh, many people think that you're a lot like Elvis. Like, that would be kind of like what the disciples gave here. Like, they described people of such prominence when Jesus asked them this question. And then Jesus turned to them and said, but what about you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? And how they answered that question would shape the rest of their lives. That if we, how we answer that question will shape the rest of our lives. And so if you answer that question and you answer that, well, I think Jesus was a great moral teacher. Well, then here's the thing is, spend some time listening and getting to know the teachings of Jesus Christ because in many traditions he's been known as a great moral teacher so get to know his teachings if you conclude that Jesus is one of the great spiritual leaders in human history that should make us want to study his words even closer if you say I believe that Jesus is God and Messiah then that means that everything in us needs to do a deep dive continually into the life of Jesus or maybe you conclude I don't know if the words of Jesus are that great. Well, so many people have found them great, and so start to do your own research and your own reading and your own study into the words of Jesus. And so in this series called The Way, we're going to look at four ways that you can know Christ in our day today. How can you follow Jesus and know Christ in our world today? And the first one is this that we're going to look at today, is we know Christ By hearing the words of Christ. We must know the words of Christ. Jesus' teaching, Jesus' words, Jesus' stories, Jesus' parables. If you want to know Jesus and the message of Jesus, we need to do a deep dive into those things. One author says when it comes to the words of Jesus, Jesus, here are all the things that we can do with them. We can ponder and ruminate. We can chew on them and embrace them, address them, imitate them respond to them, follow the words of Jesus. We can change our direction because of the words of Jesus. He says we can eat the words of Jesus, kind of like take them deep in. We can revere them, meditate on them, pray on them, hear them, reflect on them, consider them, listen to them, remember them, study them. It is impossible to know someone if you don't know anything that they ever said. And so we learn about a person through the words that they spoke, and we learn about Jesus through the words that he speaks. And so today I want to give you three kind of critical practices for knowing the words of Jesus. Each are not going to come as that big of a surprise, but allows us to get what Colossians 3.16 says, is that we let the words of Christ dwell among you richly. Imagine the words of Christ dwelling inside you richly. That on days where you don't feel like you have enough, all of a sudden the words of Christ kind of come to the surface. Or on the days that you're looking for strength, the words of Christ just come to the surface. Let the words of Christ dwell among you richly. And so the first method that we learn the words of Jesus is that we study the words of Jesus. We study the words of Jesus And I know it's summer. And for those of you who are just done with college, you're like, oh, I just finished studying. And now the first thing you bring up in the sermon today is studying. Pastor Chris, I don't know if I can do that. Knowing the words of Jesus takes study because the great spiritual teachers of all time, they're usually going to be talking about truths that are pretty deep, truths that are maybe hard to grasp at times. And so it takes time to dig into those. And so there's one teaching of Jesus that I think is particularly difficult. I've talked about this here before you may remember it was about four or five years ago but this one i think is really tricky for us in this day and it comes from matthew 5:38. you're gonna see the difference of what study makes when you really like dive into a text that sounds really odd from the very beginning and so the text this teaching from jesus begins this you have heard it said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth you know like that eye for an eye we're familiar with that language like, and Jesus is answering the question that how do you respond to personal injury in your life? And before Jesus' teaching, the way to do, or way to do that was, you know, if somebody breaks your arm, you break your, their arm. If someone punched you, you punch them. If someone hurt your family, then you hurt their family. Like you do something equal to be able to get back at them. And the idea was that you kind of do an equalization, not an escalation. Now, that was actually an improvement over, like, the escalation strategy if somebody harmed you. Because before this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing, like, that everything just de-escalated. Somebody did something to you, and you did worse to them. And then they did worse to you, and then you did worse to them. And the whole thing just escalated out of control. So the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth was a little bit of an improvement. And so let's say that that's the major way that we walk through life. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, as pretty common in Jesus' day. Well, it means that you're always looking to get back at the people that wronged you, which means like revenge, retaliation, like right on the tip of your mind all the time. Someone gives you a bad look, oh, I'm going to respond in kind. Someone does this to me, I'm going to respond in kind. And people got very good at living this way. People can still be very good at living this way. So then he gets to this teaching. He says, but I tell you. So he says, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. That sounds like pretty messed up teaching right off the bat. Jesus, when somebody hits me, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek? Really? What, do you want me to get hit again? Jesus, if someone takes something from me and treats me this way, you want me to be treated like that again? Like, those are the kinds of questions that come up in our brain when we do that. So Jesus was teaching this at a very specific time in history. He's teaching it when the Romans kind of ruled the streets of Jerusalem. And there's one word that Jesus uses in this teaching that's very, very significant. And I need a volunteer, okay? Somebody want to volunteer to come up? You have to play the part of a Roman soldier, Anybody want to do that? Yeah? Okay. Jenny, why don't you come on up? Okay. Now, this is important. Are you right-handed? Yes? Okay. Perfect. Okay. Um, And so you're going to be the Roman soldier. I'm kind of like the Jewish person in the streets disobeying, like, the laws and things like that. Um, And so the teaching of Jesus in this is hitting me on, like, if somebody says, if somebody hits you on the right cheek, right? Okay, so if you're right-handed, how are you going to hit me on the right cheek? Yeah, you're going to hit, yeah, don't do it for real. Yeah, but if you were going to hit me, how would you hit me on the right side of the cheek? how this, yeah, you'd hit me like that with the back of your hand. That when somebody hits you with the back of their hand like that, that is more insult in that day than it is attack. And so when Jesus says, turn to them the other cheek also. You've just hit me on this one. And let's say I turn to you now this cheek. Now what do you need? Yeah. That's exact. yeah. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Yeah. And so that first little slap on the right, that's like insult. And when Jesus says, turn to them the other cheek as well, now you are standing them, you're standing to the Roman soldier and saying to them, Oh, are you gonna be bold enough now to punch me with a closed fist on the other cheek? That Jesus says, when you turn the other cheek, he's saying, Don't jump up and go after them. Don't seek revenge and retaliation in that moment, but don't just lay there either. Be strong enough to stand up and face them. And then you put the responsibility back on the shoulder to hit you again, this time with a closed fist on the left cheek. When someone hits you in an insulting manner, be secure in who you are and stand up. Be strong and don't be afraid to make yourself vulnerable in that situation. Don't be fearful and don't harbor feelings of revenge and retaliation stand again in a peaceable way that shows secureness and strength and character and love. That Jesus is not teaching you to get hit again. Jesus is saying a weak heart is a heart that wants retaliation and revenge. A strong heart is loving those even when they insult you and injure you. And this is what we see in the civil rights movement of the 60s. You know this kind of movement of nonviolence, this movement of standing up with strength of character and strength of spirituality in the midst of that. Paul would say Romans twelve ten, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so one of the greatest teachers of all times tells us, revenge, retaliation, in that moment are not our only options to insult and injury. There are life-giving options available to us. A pretty profound message of Jesus. Just that one little word, right cheek versus left cheek, and it changes the meaning of the passage. Now we've got to do a little deeper study into this because there's many places where this text does not apply. This text in no way means that a woman or a child or a man should just accept abuse in their life. This passage has nothing to do with that. That is not Jesus' intention in this teaching at all. It in no way means that people in abusive situations should just keep silent or keep allowing what is being done to them in their life. It has nothing to do. This passage is not about that. This passage is about how to stand in the streets of Rome, you know, when somebody, when a Roman soldier hits you and insults you with the back of his hand and to stand secure in that moment and not seek retaliation And revenge. See how study is important. Understanding the historical context is important. And so study is one of the ways that we get to know Jesus. Second way that we get to know Jesus is this, is that we memorize the words of Jesus. That we get them deep into us so that they're always there to recall. Now, memorization, again, it maybe brings us back to tough moments in Sunday school or spelling bees or times tables in schools. But once something's memorized and inside us, it becomes eternalized. We carry it with us throughout the day. And you have memorized many, many things in your life. You have things memorized now that really don't even need to be in your brain. Everyone here probably knows by memory the words to the song YMCA. Like it's just in your brain right now. If I were to begin this, where it began, I can't begin knowing. But then I know it's growing strong. Was in the spring and spring became summer. Who would have believed you'd come along? Hands touching hands, touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Like, yeah, I know, yeah. Like... You all know, and that's about the weirdest moment that there's ever been in this room. A whole yeah I'm just glad you didn't get to the ba 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 part and just that imagine if there were teachings and words of Jesus that you could say from memory and just bring them to the forefront of your brain. You're about to walk into a meeting, you're beginning your day, you're going to see someone that you don't like. You're headed out for something big, and imagine if the words of 1516 came to your mind. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Imagine like looking in the mirror every day, let your light shine before others. Or looking, or be walking into a meeting, let your light shine before others. If we were to get that passage at the forefront of our mind, imagine the impact of living out of that place. Your whole focus on relationships would be to bless people, to connect with them in a healthy way, to bring some sort of life or joy to them. Like, if you can do that, if you can let your light shine like that, that is mature living. That is deep living with other people. Study the words of Jesus. Memorize the words of Jesus. And then the last one is this, is that we are to meditate on the words of Jesus. I think in our day, meditation can be a little bit of a scary word if you've been in the church for a little bit. But it's different than, like, an Eastern form of meditation. Eastern form of meditation, the goal is really to, like, kind of empty yourself, to empty yourself of desires and empty yourself of wants and empty yourself of things so that, like, those things don't kind of, like, impact our mood throughout the day. But the goal of meditation for followers of Jesus is to fill ourselves to create space in our day for Jesus to fill what needs to be filled on the inside. Meditation is the opposite of speed reading or skimming a passage. When we meditate on a passage, we hold on to it for a long time. We read it multiple times. Meditation involves three very simple things, is we just need to set aside time, we need to find a place, And we need to find a posture. Normally, that's just sitting in a quiet place to be able to take that five minutes and just be quiet before God. And so today, if we were to meditate on something right now, on words of Jesus, this is from John chapter 1. The next day, John was there again with his two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Imagine if you just sat down and meditated on those words of Jesus. Come, and you will see. Come, and you will see. To know Christ To seek Christ, we must know the words of Christ. We study the words. We memorize the words. We meditate on the words of Jesus. So, a man by the name of Gaylord Kambarami. He is the general secretary of the Bible Society, and he was in Zimbabwe selling Bibles. And he struck up a conversation with a man, and he could see that the man was interested in the Bible. But the man was not interested in the words on the page or the content of the Bible. The man was interested because he looked at the pages of the Bible, and they were the perfect size and material and texture for rolling cigarettes. So he told Gaylord that, well, I won't buy it, but if you want to give me the Bible, then that would be fine. And so he's like stuck in a dilemma because he doesn't want like this Bible just being used to roll cigarettes. And so he made a deal with him. He says, "I'll make a deal with you. I will give you this book if you promise to read every page before you smoke it." <laughs> I guess good deal. And so he handed the man the Bible that day. Years passed. And then one day this man the Gaylord was attending a convention in Zimbabwe when the speaker on the platform recognized him in the audience and began to point at him. He says, that, This man doesn't remember me, but I remember him. About 15 years ago, he tried to sell me a New Testament. When I refused to buy it, he gave it to me, even though I told him I would use it, the pages, to roll cigarettes. And he went on, I smoked Matthew. I smoked Mark. <laughs> Then I smoked Luke. (laughs) But when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. My life was changed from that moment. That is the impact of the words of Jesus Christ. I would tell you, if you are seeking something for your soul today, turn to the words of Jesus. Make him the focal point of your search listen to the words of Jesus, get them deep into your heart and soul. Let us pray. Lord, we now have the privilege to come before you at your table to receive again your promises and your words for us. And so, Lord, as we come to the table, this table of bread and this table of cup, may you remind us of the forgiveness that we received through your death on the cross and the life that we received from your resurrection. Lord, we ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, is there anybody who needs communion? Just put your hand up, our usher will bring communion forward to you. Thank you so much to our ushers. David, a few more over here on the right. Well, here at Bethany Covenant Church, you do not need to be a member to receive communion, just one who has put their hope and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus this day are delivered by the Apostle Paul. you proclaim the Lord's death, it comes. And so I'd invite you to prepare the bread. And you can just take and hold that for a minute, close your eyes. And maybe today is just the first time in a long time that you've said anything to Jesus. And Jesus wants to hear whatever word next that you need to pray. Just be open with the person of Jesus. Invite the person of Jesus. Whatever needs to be spoken. This is the body of Christ that is broken for you. Take and eat. And I invite you to prepare the cup. And you can take and hold that and just close your eyes for a moment. In this moment, just be reminded of the grace of God filling you. The grace of God which floods your life. The grace of God that forgives you of mistakes. The grace of God that washes away regrets. Regrets. And just live in that grace for a moment. This is the cup of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Take and drink. Well, today, if there's a decision that you've made about Jesus whether to seek Jesus, explore Jesus, make Jesus the focal point of your spiritual journey, or maybe even a bigger step than that that says, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to learn what life means in you. I would invite you to make sure that you let one of the pastors know after church today. Let him know that you made that decision. And right now we're going to close. I invite you to stand. Pastor Elizabeth, will you lead us out today as servants of Jesus Christ?